inviting you to join us. listening to the Physical Culture, Music, and Art Show on Radio Free Brooklyn, streaming live from 100 Bogart Street in beautiful Bushwick, Brooklyn. On today's show, we have Gaston Robert Olson. No, not yet. Gaston is a New York State licensed massage therapist, NSCA certified personal trainer, and Yoga Alliance certified instructor. He's a photographer and musician. He applies his knowledge of human anatomy, various body work techniques, and exercise to help individuals achieve their full body balance. Whether recovering from an injury, looking for better to better one's game, or just feel good, the goal is to educate and integrate because no one should know your body better than you. Vince, that sounds like you read something. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> it sounds like I uh, looked on your website there. <laughs> so, Gaston, thank you for coming. It's nice to have you here today. Thanks for having me, man. Woohoo! Oh, my God. Please, please. So, let's start off. How did you, you know, you have an artistic background. I know for a long time you worked as a professional photographer. You also do music. So how did that come about? How were you exposed to that? And how did you get involved with, uh, with the arts? Um, let's see. I studied, well, played rock and roll since I was 14, 13, 14 years old. Typical teenage angst, lashing out against your parents, <laughs> rebel. Um, then I studied, um, literature and music in college, which uh, dropped out, playing a rock and roll band, and uh, got into bartending when the band thing wasn't panning out. And then, still to this date, hold a dear in my heart, Lori Berkowitz, uh, Lori Berkowitz Photography. She was doing a show. She came into the bar. Um, her assistant was pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, she was looking for someone else. I said, look, I... All I know about photography is I, back in the 70s, I had a you-build-it-yourself camera. <laughs> and that's about all I knew about photography. And, uh, but I loved uh, taking pictures. And she gave me an address. She said, show up at this address. And um, it was history. 15 years uh, doing um, event and destination weddings and photography, mm-hmm. music. Mm-hmm. It was fantastic. That being said... That allowed me, I was suddenly making money, I was seeing the world, it was fantastic. And it was also a seasonal gig, you had these down times. Um, but I was also always running, I got into running. My cousin, mm-hmm. um, she's a holistic uh, counselor, many years. So I was always getting body work or something for healing um, injuries. And I had downtime, and I said, you know what, I'm just going to go back to school. I want to do something um, 
I'm interested in and started exploring massage and mm-hmm. got into the personal training with you mm-hmm. through your program. And uh, here I am. Um, shit, that was so, 2005. So I know. It's yeah. been a long time, yeah, hasn't yeah. it? So we'll, we'll get back to the massage and then the acupuncture and the training. What was your first band? Oh, um, <laughs> a little garage cover band called Image. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, yeah. We did uh, pop, uh, I guess, metal or whatever was popular on the radio then. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom mm-hmm. Spompanato, uh, remember we lived on Brook- he lived on Brookdale, opened the garage on Friday and Saturday nights, and the neighborhood would just come, gather around, listen to us uh-huh. play. And oh, that's cool. We were horrible, but yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> you got to start somewhere, right? True, true. Yeah. Uh-huh. And what did you play? Uh, guitar and sang, mm-hmm. mostly then. So, uh-huh. Much like you. Oh, wait, uh-huh. you, you sang. Did you play guitar? Right? Uh, just a little bit, but okay. not much on stage. How did, did you teach yourself to play guitar, or what, what got you interested in music? That's just what the other kids were doing? No, or, you know, uh, and there was always a draw to music. Um, my family was not at all musically inclined mm-hmm. um, or talented. And um, I don't know, we, when, when I was younger, we had an organ that we, um, we got at a, uh, an auction. We used to go, we used to go uh, travel and camping a lot, and at this one auction, there was an organ. And I wanted the. I just was curious about it, and uh, mm-hmm. started playing. And my parents took it home, and we'd play. And uh, that was it. Yeah, I was just always drawn to music. Parents always playing. Um, Johnny Cash, Eddie Arnold, Patsy Cline in the house. Uh-huh. You know, so, they listened to a lot of music. Didn't play music, but they listened. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So then it was through running. How I mean, you're bartending, you're playing in a band. That's not always the most conducive lifestyle to also start running. So how how did that come about? Um, <laughs> my high school girlfriend, after post high school girlfriend, uh, she left me, mm-hmm. and I remember I went out for a run one day. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So it must have been maybe second year of college or so, and I uh, just started running one day and just kept running, running, mm-hmm. and that was it. Mm-hmm. That was it since then. Uh-huh. Running and cycling. Uh-huh. Yeah. So you were in music to get girls, and then you started running because you lost girls? You or? know, i got to tell you, that was the furthest thing from my mind. Um, uh-huh. I, I think the arts itself is just um, a way of expressing yourself. I think it's therapy. Um, everyone's got their own reason. I was never in it for the uh, stardom or anything like that. I mean, I wanted to make a living at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and when that didn't pan out, that's when I wound up doing bartending and then photography and so on and so forth mm-hmm. and now it's just great because um mr palomar and the gentleman devil it's just a musical project um i have a buddy of mine and some other musicians that um contribute it's a collective and mm-hmm. um, the idea of not expecting anything or just doing it for yourself mm-hmm. changes everything right so, yeah. right it makes it more about the music and yeah the expression yeah absolutely. As opposed absolutely. To, to the money yeah 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 when money's taken out of the equation Things mm-hmm. change big time. Mm-hmm. So when did you decide to make the transition? You were bartending, and you know you can make decent money bartending, but then you went into massage therapy. So what, why massage? Um, again, just my exposure through my cousin being a, a holistic healer, counselor. Mm-hmm. Um, had a lot of work done, and it was just something that interested me. The human in that body, the anatomy, it's just how it works. It's amazing. It's still mm-hmm. a wonder. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just something, again, I was doing for fun. I didn't need to do it because I was bartending. I was doing photography. Mm-hmm. So money was not an issue. It wasn't about making money. It was just 
doing something you enjoyed. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. And why... Did you end up at the Swedish Institute? Had you heard about it or it just uh, came up on an internet search? Yeah, you know, I think I was interested in uh, doing body work and I was just exploring, went for massage places in the city, uh, spoke to other therapists where they practiced or where they studied. And they said there was this this one teacher, Vincent Mezzo, (laughs) that he's phenomenal. You have to check him out. I did not pay him (laughs) to say this. No, um, yeah, just um, just through investigation, and I think Swedish Institute also. I mean, it was the only place in the city back then. Right. I mean, they had right. an acupuncture. They were the only school with an acupuncture because uh, Pacific College did. I don't think was around back then. I'm not um, sure they might have been around. On, but I know they were mm-hmm. in, obviously West Coast in mm-hmm. Chicago, but I don't know mm-hmm. if they were here on East Coast yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, or if they were, they didn't have a massage program. Right. Then. I mean, acupuncture right. was the furthest thing from my mind mm-hmm. at that point. So. But then what? So you started off as doing massage. And did you phase out of the photography as you started doing more yeah, massage? Um, yeah, it did. I mean, we were together um, somewhere between 12 and 15 years. Towards the end, I started doing more. We started doing gigs separately, um, mm-hmm. expanding. And that kind of took the fun out of it because we had so much fun working together. She offered me the business. I didn't want to do it without her. Mm-hmm. She had been doing it for almost 10 years prior to that. Um, and, yeah, I was just suddenly getting busy. You know, it's the uh, Vidal Sassoon commercial where they told two friends and two friends mm-hmm. told them. And um, I remember that commercial. You remember? And so on and so, <laughs> so on. I think it was Vidal. I don't, yeah, I, I don't it was remember. One of those. remember. Um, but, um, yeah, it just happened on its own. It planted the mm-hmm. seed. And, uh, again, I was just enjoying doing the work. Mm-hmm. So. Then what made you decide to add personal training to that? Um, it just seemed the route to go. Um, I mean, people can come in, get body work done. Hey, man, oh, my shoulder's hurting or my hip's hurting. We can take care of that, release whatever is going on. But they're just going to keep coming back in if you don't look and find the imbalances that's happening. What's causing mm-hmm. the pain, the discomfort, the imbalance? Um, and that's what I learned through you. Mm-hmm. Again, he didn't pay me for that. So. I didn't. I no. did not pay um, for that. Yeah, and that that was huge, really important. Uh, I mean, I still do. I don't do personal training actually any longer. I just do corrective exercise work. Mm-hmm. Um, my patients or clients that come in, there's not one that comes in just lies on the table and says thank you goodbye. They're doing work. We mm-hmm. do an assessment. We'll do movements that may aggravate it, so you see to see what's going on. Get on the table. Uh, manual therapy, needling, get off the table, corrective exercise, they get homework. So. Mm-hmm. And I also got tired, I, I think, as a trainer, um, and you know how it goes, you have those clients that you work with, that this is what you have to do. You know, you show up, you'll see them maybe once, twice a week, but this is what I want you to do the days that we're not together. Mm-hmm. And then you show up, and they didn't do anything. Right. Oh, I, right. this happened. And then suddenly it's on you. This is why they're not seeing changes. This is mm-hmm. why they're still feeling pain. This is why they haven't lost weight because they're not doing anything on their own. And I, I got a little tired of that. Mm-hmm. Whereas here now pulling back and saying, just do these, this one exercise or these two exercises mm-hmm. just so they can see what change it does make. They, say, mm-hmm. they come back and they say, oh, shit, that really made a difference. What else do you have for me? And then mm-hmm. you can build on there. And then before you know it, they've got a program going for themselves. Mm-hmm. And they're more enthusiastic about working out. Absolutely. So, yeah. So what then made you add acupuncture? So, you know, in, in massage school, as I know, and maybe some other people out there know, but 
especially at the Swedish Institute. They teach both the Western modalities and Eastern modalities. Mm -hmm. They teach Shiatsu at Swedish Institute. Other schools teach Anma or other Eastern therapies because it is a requirement for New York State licensure. But what is it that made you then go into acupuncture and go more down that Eastern road? Um, Back at Swedish, because remember um, back then, 2005, you can ha- take the two paths. Uh-huh, right, you, you were yeah. offered, you given a, a taste of what you liked, and then you can go for one direction or the other mm-hmm. direction. And I actually went more the Eastern then. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why it was actually more surprising. Afterwards, my practice became more Western mm-hmm. style. Mm-hmm. E- exercise, man- just really manual therapy. Though I did, in, um, I've, my uh, practice is actually based on twin A. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is also mm-hmm. Asian modality, right, right. Um, but still very Western. And then um, a gentleman, I started going to Guatemala, do uh, outreach work with Global Health Works Foundation mm-hmm. uh, through Dan Wunderlich. And um, I got interested in acupuncture down there because they do mostly. I, I was maybe one of three or five um, hands-on therapists. Mm-hmm. And that was a lot. You, you, I mean, right. you working on locals you know a lot of them they're not disrobing or anything so you're working through thick garment and everything mm-hmm. and there they are using needles i said wow yeah that would be a lot easier you know <laughs> and just infusing the two they complement one another mm-hmm. um i don't think one is better than the other you I, I don't believe the same thing being an acupuncturist you go in you find you get great results but again without movement without exercise you're, you're not going to change those patterns mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. So where can people get in touch with you for massage, acupuncture, training, etc.? Right here on the show. Reach on no, the show. no. Um, yeah, um, I'm in Union Square. You can find me um, <laughs> online. You know, I've, mm-hmm. the, the information. What's the website again? Bodyandchi.com, uh, mm-hmm. which I have not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how are you spelling chi on that, by the way? Is Q-I, Q-I. Q-I. It, oh, uh-huh. there is a. C-H-I, C-H-I as well. yeah, body yeah. and body and chi.com. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get contact info, but it has not been updated since 2005. Oh, well, we'll have so to take it's care of stuff. that, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, we're on, mm-hmm. we're on that, we're on that, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, and you recently moved also because you were in that building on Broadway and 11th Street that they just tore down now. So, that where did the, you move to? Uh, well, I was at the uh, St. Denis building, which mm-hmm. was it, St. Denis building was just, um, it was this hub of healers. It was mm-hmm. really sad to see that building go. A, it had so much history, mm-hmm. um, and it, it was because mm-hmm. it used to be a hotel, and that's where Abe Lincoln stayed. Um, Is that came, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so we, cool. I'd always leave pennies on the floor, just <laughs> see who would pick them up as well. Um, but it was sad to see that building close, and uh, they demoed it. It's down to I think the second mm-hmm. floor. They're rebuilding it. Really modern building. They're making it. Um, and at that time, I was starting school, and I. I was ready to just, I wasn't saying that I was give, giving up in any way, shape, or form, but I thought I would just rent a small room when, from time to time whenever clients needed to come in because school mm-hmm. was happening. I was planning on moving to Guatemala. And um, then the universe just placed uh, 32 Union Square mm-hmm. East. That's where I'm at, and, uh, which seems to be the, the new hub. Mm-hmm. of all these amazing healers and artists mm-hmm. over there. So a lot of people from the Sandini ended up moving yeah, to that a lot same of them building. Did. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. or at least within that whole Union Square area. It's, mm-hmm. it's interesting. So oh, it, That was cute. You, you like that? Uh, there. I like yeah. that. Yeah, the, old, <laughs> the old Union Square area. Very that's nice. That's it. That's it. Uh-huh. Um, but it's funny to be walking down the street. And, Wait, I know you. Where? 
say Denis building because uh-huh. you don't see so many people all the time mm-hmm. out there. So, but yeah, um, I love the space. We've expanded. Uh, went from having two rooms to now we've got four rooms, actually three rooms. Um, and it, it's kind of funny because I look at it the, the way I look at the, our music. It's a collective at mm-hmm. the um, at the new studio space. Um, we have uh, five different practitioners and um, all practitioners that I would. In a step of a finger, recommend someone else to. If you know, if I'm working with someone, I say, you know, maybe you should see this person. Mm-hmm. But they're also building, and um, you know, it's just there for everybody. Mm-hmm. It's it's not my mm-hmm. space; it's our space. That's so, great. Yeah. So we're gonna take a minute for some station identification, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about Mr. Palomar and the Gentleman Devil. Oh. You are listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. This is the Physical Culture Music and Art Show. Radio Free Brooklyn is a 501c3 organization. You can make a donation at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. Radio Free Brooklyn is also involved currently in a new group of classes for teens. It's called the Teen Squad, where they teach teens about podcasting, radio, interviewing and best media practices so you can also make a donation at radiofreebrooklyn.org directly to the teen squad program which is open to teens all over the greater new york area the physical culture music and art show is generously underwritten by the swedish institute which has been in continuous operation in new york city for over a hundred years they've added quality health care programs including personal training nursing and medical assistant to their long-standing massage therapy foundation the school provides the hands-on professional approach to education to get you to the workplace you can go to www.swedishinstitute.edu or call them at 212-924-5900, extension 199. That's 212-924-5900, extension 199. You're listening to the Physical Culture Music and Art Show on Radio Free Brooklyn. My name is Vincent Metzo, Dean of Discipline, Dean of Personal Training. We're going to be back in a few minutes with Pete Moore who's the founder and managing partner and chief dream architect at Integrity Square. But first, we're going to finish up a little with Gaston Robert Olson and talk about his new project, Mr. Palomar and the Gentleman Devil. So, Gaston. Hey. What? Hey. <laughs> what does, uh, where'd this name come from? I love this name. The Gentleman Devil. Actually, that's the uh, shortened version. It's actually uh, Gentleman Devil Music presents uh, which is my fantasy our fantasy record label you know? uh-huh um and uh mr palomar and the gentleman devil um you know mr palomar is a uh, a book um mm-hmm. by um his name escapes me you know, italian arthur uh, arthur and um what is this uh Cavino, i think it was mm-hmm. um which i was just always uh, entertained by it's about a, one man and his observation of the world Mm-hmm. And um, I always, when you read Mr. Palomar, for myself at least, Mr. Palomar is in all of us. You know, how can we not sit and stand back and just observe the world mm-hmm. and its amazements? And um, and the gentleman devil, I mean, come on, you know, mm-hmm. the devil's a gentleman. You know, that, that's it. You know, that's how he gets his ways. And uh, yeah, so I, we just love the idea of a long, mm-hmm. lengthy, drawn out name with some mm-hmm. meaning for us in it. Absolutely. And, um, 
And then who were the other people involved in the project, and how did you meet them? Um, the main um, writer is uh, Thomas Pizzato, um, him and myself. And I met him through a friend, uh, his sister. Her and I were really good friends. And um, Tom, I give out sh- kudos, shout out to right now. He's got married now. I mean, this guy, I love him dearly. Um, and we've actually, it's not a, even a new project. We've been probably doing mm-hmm. it since 2000. Uh, shit, maybe 2005 or six, mm-hmm. something like that. Uh, right, and you can we can find you on Spotify. We're on also. Spotify, mm-hmm. um, iTunes, mm-hmm. uh, Pandora. All of that. I mean, we don't mm-hmm. have a lot re- released. I mean, again, mm-hmm. we've done it, all the recording, the funding ourselves mm-hmm. and everything, So, which mm-hmm. has made it fun. But and also do you have any live shows coming up? Um, you know, I've just finished school, mm-hmm. and so um, that may happen. It may mm-hmm. happen. But in the meantime, we're just planning on doing more recording, um, maybe mm-hmm. some videos. Uh, oh, that's fun always stuff. fun. Absolutely. Yeah. But Tom's the main mm-hmm. writer. We worked with some fabulous uh, musicians that have met along the way. Uh, Clara Kennedy, she, who supposed to be here today but she's mm-hmm. under the weather um amazing musician cellist uh vocalist she does most backup mm-hmm. vocals on our stuff and cello uh ray chetta amazing mm-hmm. studio music bassist as well as uh he's performing mm-hmm. in chicago right now he's in the uh, band there um uh ethan eubanks does all the drums has done all mm-hmm. the drums on our recording so mm-hmm. um yeah. and is it is it all acoustic because i was listening to it and a lot of it sounds acoustic no, so, no, no, it's mixed. Mm-hmm. We'll we use upright bass mm-hmm. um, on, on all the material, um, but we mix acoustic and electric. And mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, a, right. it's a mishmash of everything. Great. Can you tell us a little bit about the song Coming Home? Is there any intro to that, any story behind the song? You, you know, um, I, lo- I love it when musicians just say, you know, let it mean what it means to you when you hear right. the song, inspire. Mm-hmm. Um but it, it for myself, in the end, it came through a struggle of trying to change for other people. Sometimes change is good, mm-hmm. you know, um, as long as you're changing for yourself. Right. You. And in the end, it's kind of a big, F you, no, I am who I am. Mm-hmm. And, uh, coming home is coming home to yourself, your true self. Okay. This is Coming Home from Mr. Palomar and the Gentleman Devil here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Walk a 40 mile stone just to get me home long before I even met you. And I'm burning up, but I got love chills. As I break these chains, I know I'm coming home. When I'm crossing borders and I'm cutting corners just to make a straight line way back to you. Like a jackrabbit's run, I have to beat the gun and the bullet on the heel of a shoe. But I'm burning. As I break these chains and know I'm coming home
This is the Physical Culture Music and Art Show on Radio Free Brooklyn. Exercise offenses are considered especially heinous. In New York City, the dedicated officers or fitness police who investigate these infractions are members of an elite squad known as the Special Fitness Unit. These are their stories. Excuse me, buddy. Please put the weight down and step away from the squat rack. As I'm sure you're aware, sir, arm curling in the squat rack is not an appropriate use of that piece of equipment. Yeah, it's not appropriate. Functional training, stupid little punk ass. I'm gonna go. You got that right, Mikey. And we are back. You're listening to the Physical Culture Music and Art Show, streaming live on Radio Free Brooklyn. We're here with Gaston Robert Olson, and just joining us now is Mr. Peter Moore. He's the founder, a managing partner, and chief dream architect at Integrity Square, an early-stage growth equity investor and leading boutique financial advisory firm serving the health, active lifestyle, and outdoors, or HALO, sector. Since opening ISQ in 2010, the firm has assisted in over 40 merger and acquisition 
private placement and advisory assignments in North America, Europe, and Asia, including transactions with or for LA Fitness, Spectrum Clubs, Gold Gym International, Space Cycle, Urban Active, Massage Envy, Crunch, Club Ready, and numerous private equity firms. Pete, thank you for joining us. Nice to meet you, gentlemen's devil. <laughs> so, Gaston, when we get back to uh, Mr. Palomar and the gentleman devil, what, uh, where can people find that music? Uh, we're available. I mean, there's not a lot out right now. Um, we did a single uh, two-song EP. We're, we have a four-song EP we're going to release in October. Um, which Coming Home will be on. There'll be four songs on there uh, called Sorry I Meant That. But you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Pandora, mm-hmm. pretty much everything. Right. So how do you find or do you find that your acupuncture training, the discipline that you've studied, the disciplines that you've studied, does that affect your music now compared to when you were playing back in the garage and just starting out? <laughs> Shit, I never thought about that. Um, the only way it affects me is that it keeps me going, you know, mm-hmm. pain-free, because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm getting work constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, you are, so yeah, do, you do, you yeah. do your homework and you... Uh, yeah, and mm-hmm. when I don't do my homework, I feel it. Um, I picked up surfing, uh, I guess, almost three years ago now mm-hmm. and uh, just turned 50. And, you know, look, man, you know, you feel it as you get older. If mm-hmm. Your body requires more self-care. It's not that you can't do what mm-hmm. you enjoy doing. It just requires a little bit more self-care. Mm-hmm. And so the way it infects me, if I'm having a late night, I wake up and I don't do my tuning up or uh, body work, um, mm-hmm. I feel it. You know? So you do you feel you practice what you preach? Are you better at doing your homework than some clients are? Not all the time. And then that's the thing. I think clients, you know, they think, oh, it's easy for you because you love doing mm-hmm. this. You do it all the time. Actually, I hate doing it. I always hated going to the gym. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd much mm-hmm. rather sit there, eat a bucket of popcorn and go to the movies. But I know how I'm going to feel afterwards. Mm-hmm. And it's going to feel amazing. Mm-hmm. And I tell my clients, you know, mm-hmm. I know the difference, too. This is how I know you're not doing the homework. Mm-hmm. Because when I don't do the homework, I have the same issues, the same exact problems. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's... Absolutely. And Pete, how do you find this? Do you find that, I mean, from a business perspective, from a fitness perspective, do people just come to you and say, uh, do this for me? Or do they come in and have done their homework? And Yeah, I think uh, every assignment kind of starts out with uh, almost like a therapy session where I always start with uh, an entrepreneur and say, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? Mm-hmm. Uh, and not not come in and say, Hey, I want to create a $500 million company. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. that's great. Let's, let's get to a million mm-hmm. and make sure this thing works and then see if you can scale it. And in venture capital, you know, there's always like a friends and family round. Then there's a series A, series B, series C, mm-hmm. and then potentially something happens with the company. And what, what people forgot about is that a series is basically an experiment. Like I'm doing experiment A, Mm-hmm. And I'm going to get funding mm-hmm. for that. If that works, then I can get Series B. I think in this hysteria of um, technology and some of these companies that that don't make any money for mm-hmm. long periods of time, you know, Amazon did that. So everyone says, "Oh, Amazon did that." So I can lose, right. you know, 1.8 billion dollars on 
on an Uber app. I, I personally don't get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think most people come in and say, you know, I want to build a business. I want to have a work-life balance. Um, just as an example, I had a, a five uh, studio chain of, uh, of uh, cycling uh, enthusiasts that, that were out mm-hmm. in the Midwest. And they came up to me at a conference and they said, hey, we want to raise uh, outside capital. We want to raise uh, private equity. And I'm like, well, what do you want your life to be right now? Because you go to your kid's Little League game, you're making money. You don't mm-hmm. answer to anybody about, except yourself. You can teach a spin class when you want. Nobody's asking you why you only sold 90 memberships instead of 100 you know, on the budget. So do you really want that? And are you really going to go mm-hmm. you know, live on Southwest Airlines for the next you know, five years to get what? Basically, your life that you have right now. So I try and help people better understand, you know, you can make a lot of money, but there's sacrifices to, mm-hmm. to doing that. And when you take on an equity partner, you know, you are a jockey and they are riding you. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they're trying mm-hmm. to make a return off of your idea. Um, but don't ever think that you're not an employee of a business. Mm-hmm. And, even uh, if you own the business, even if you, own if you it, have you know, people who invest, yeah, you bring in, investors yeah. in, you know, you're, you're beholden to them and mm-hmm. that creates a level of stress that, Probably people should get onto the uh, acupuncture yeah, or yeah. massage or get into <laughs> mm-hmm. the gym. Um, yeah, so it usually starts out with, you know, what what are your objectives and let's figure out, you know, personal and professional mm-hmm. uh, from that standpoint. But I wanted to comment on something you said earlier um, related to people doing the work. And uh, I went to this meeting a couple of months ago in California. Uh, it's this company called the Camp Transformation Center. It's basically a weight loss Barry's boot camp, mm-hmm. if you will, or switch playground. So what they do is they charge you $695 and you have to do a six week transformation mm-hmm. and they guarantee you will lose 20 pounds if you show up. So you basically have to show up four days a week, 24 mm-hmm. sessions. At the end of the 24th session, they leave an envelope with a check and they give you your money back for the 695 if you've gone to, if you've done Every- the work. Mm-hmm. And what they found out, which was kind of ballsy when they started, because mm-hmm. it could have gone bankrupt. Right. What they found out is nobody takes a check hmm. because they've changed their life. Wow. Yeah. And they're like, no, dude, parlay this into nutrition. Get me a membership. Like, it, so, so the tipping point, I think, is can you get someone to change their routine? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how long is that? If it's six weeks, you know, these guys basically pro- proved to me. You know, something that I intuitively thought, but I didn't know. You know, people mm-hmm. say if you quit smoking, it's like three days, three weeks, yeah. three months, three years. I think in fitness, it's really only six to eight weeks. And, and if mm-hmm. you do the work and you make it seem like there's a reward, so a financial reward, like, oh, I'm going to game you mm-hmm. as the as the member mm-hmm. going and saying, hey, you're going to get me 20 pounds for free. It, but the behavior and the psychology around that is if I can get you to do this, you're going to continue to do it because I know it's good for you. Yeah, yeah. So... Just wanted to pick up on that. That's fantastic. But Mm -hmm. it's true. I think scientifically it's four to six weeks. Any new habit, incorporating a new habit, Mm -hmm. takes four to six weeks actually for the body to take on. Yeah. My girlfriend's Mm -hmm. got me on matcha now off of my iced coffee. So (laughs) it's only been three weeks and I've already... Uh, I, got go. a, I got a coffee right here. Uh, <laughs> got to start all over again. again. I'm, trying, man. I'm, at, I'm at a tipping point. Uh-huh. I'm at a tipping point. It's Vincent hard. does that to you, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to <laughs> drink the coffee. Exactly. So let's uh, turn that around for a second, Gaston. How do you find that your background as a musician and as a photographer influenced the work that you did as a massage therapist, a trainer, an acupuncturist? Do you find a connection there? I think it's all an art. 
you know, mm -hmm. the human body's art, working, what you're seeing when you're working with a client, mm -hmm. uh, the observation. And again, the body is art. Mm -hmm. um, what we do, I've worked with a lot of other acupuncturists and uh, manual therapists, and the work that they do is an art. You know, they become these hidden sages that their bodies just naturally. Uh, one of the things I, I have to just talk about Vincent for a second. I'm interviewing you. He was a huge influence. Turn the tables on. Yeah, yeah. Um, huge influence. And I remember um, it, people talking about how intuitive they are. And you, you put the, uh, you slapped down the idea of uh, being intuitive, saying intuition is something that you learn. You learn all these things and the body absorbs it. So intuition is not something that you magically have. It's through study and practice that you embody it. And so intuition is then you no longer have to think about what you're doing because you're just mm -hmm. naturally doing what you've learned. And I always love the mm -hmm. idea. And that's actually helped me focus and say, this is what I want. I want to do this. I want to embody that. I studied from day one when I started at Swedish. Mm -hmm. And I'd go home and just practice right away. <coughs> mm -hmm. I mean, I can't so sometimes sit there and tell somebody what exactly I'm doing. I have to go mm -hmm. back and think about it, look at the chart. This is what I'm doing. But I know what I'm doing because I've been practicing it so long. It's now right. become intuition. So mm -hmm. I, I've got a great question for you. It's very topical. So back in the day, I did the original Massage Envy transaction. So it was from mm -hmm. the founder to a to a uh, uh, another financial buyer. And um, what they basically tried to do is basically take the massage therapists and turn them into machines. Yeah. yeah. Where mm -hmm. you got a lot of volume, it's at a lower cost, but kind of took away some of the. Uh, the expert did the perceived expertise, the actual expertise. And you basically said, okay, look, you know, we're going to basically chop this up mm -hmm. and turn it into like a supply chain. Um, the same thing is happening right now with acupuncture. acupuncture yes. So there's a company called modern acupuncture balance point. We're starting to get some books on groups that are trying to do that. So the question for you is, you know, you're talking about being an artist and I think every profession has some artistic and creativity and learning and personal, you know, infusion of of how they view right. what they're doing how do you feel about you know acupuncture is going to be you know on the corner there's going to be eight people there's going to be somebody who maybe took a class not as good as the Swedish institute but picked up some certification online from some unknown school and now is putting needles in people you know for 99 bucks a month but, well first and foremost that's not going to happen here in new york in regards to the acupuncturists that because you can't practice in new york state at least here in new york state without your degree, and then you have state boards to pass. We were talking about a little bit of, about this the other day because uh, I have a couple of classmates that have jobs in some of these places. Mm -hmm. And we thought, oh man, acupuncture going corporate like this. Uh, but the reality is it's exposing to the millennials because they're not, they don't have time. So they're, mm -hmm. they come in, look at a menu, they're getting, oh, I'm getting this acupuncture mm -hmm. treatment. Um, they're, they're learning more about acupuncture, even if they're not coming in for a session with myself or other colleagues that would be maybe 90-minute sessions. They're coming in for maybe 30, 45-minute sessions. That being So there is more exposure for people to acupuncture, but also I just have to clarify, the acupuncturist will – you'll never get an acupuncturist that just took a, a week in class right, and good. his needle. That's good yeah, to no, 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 right. no. And so, that's also in terms of massage therapy. That's also a barrier that they hit in New York State mm -hmm. because there's a 1,000-hour licensure requirement. So mm -hmm. people who've done a thousand hours of school yeah. are going to balk at working for what they want to pay and the hours they want to pay when there are so many other opportunities here. So 
they can fly in Texas, they can fly in other states where the licensure requirement is less, right. and the profession is massage as opposed to massage therapy or a licensed massage therapist. And I think acupuncture has an even higher standard higher, yep. for licensure, so it's going to be very hard to bring that. Yeah, down. and most states are like that as well. Mm-hmm. There are very few that don't have any requirements. Mm-hmm. Right, that's yeah. that's good to hear. Yeah, yeah. Um, so at least the government's doing part of their work. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what do you see as, um, when is the tipping point? So as an example, we, we got invested, we put some capital into this company uh, called Higher Dose, which is an infrared sauna workout recovery mm-hmm. concept. Two, three mm-hmm. years ago, not many people were talking about infrared, but I feel like over the last mm-hmm. like 24 months, I think we got in like at the right time and now people are talking about it somewhat mainstream. Right. So when do you think acupuncture becomes mainstream or is it do you think it's you know at that tipping point now um no i think it's still growing i mean it took us years to get acknowledged you yeah know? no uh, i'm saying mm-hmm. is it could it go mainstream now like it with, with the, these new concepts that are coming um, out? well yeah i think yeah. it is then at that point and and again i think it's a great way to expose others to acupuncture who wouldn't normally take the time to get acupuncture done um i think it's a great practice for acupuncturists as well i mean there is this balancing scale. You know, you can burn out as a practitioner in regards to massage therapists. Mm-hmm. The massage therapist that's going in, at least back in the day, working mm-hmm. in a spa and only getting maybe right. $40 an hour and, per client. No break you know, or anything like clients. that. Um, but at the same time, you can really hone in some skills knowing that I only have 20 minutes with this patient or 10 mm-hmm. minutes for needling, mm-hmm. intake and needling. So you're going to really hone in mm-hmm. on some skills and you can become an amazing practitioner. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that answered your question. The, uh, the yeah, other no, side it, it of does. that, though, is, you know, with massage, although you can do a half hour massage, you can do mm-hmm. a 20 minute massage. Typically, it's an hour. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't necessarily loan itself to that sort of packaging and volume kind of business. But when Swedish had an acupuncture program, I talked to a lot of the acupuncture teachers who were from China. And, you know, we hear this term TCM, traditional Chinese medicine. And I always thought, oh, that's the old stuff. Hmm. But then I found out, oh, there's classical Chinese medicine. And Hmm. actually TCM is based on the communist approach to acupuncture, where basically they had to see 100 patients before lunch. You didn't see 100 patients, you didn't get lunch. So it was all based on protocols and, you know, templates of, okay, you have this, we're going to do these needles. And that model actually loans itself to an in-and-out kind of shop. Mm-hmm. But then you have on the other side of that, well, it's regulated because if you're going to stick needles in people, you need to like have some education. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's it's <laughs> an interesting juxtaposition that the capitalists are actually taking advantage of what the communists originally developed to mm-hmm. save time. And that's what mm-hmm. most of the education <laughs> is, is based on TCM. Mm-hmm. But then you graduate and so many people go back and are practicing and studying the mm-hmm. classics. So. Right. Right. The Yellow Emperor's text. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That kind yeah. Of stuff. yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So, Pete, we have a lot of practitioners on the show. So it's very interesting to me. How did you get into fitness? Because your background is in banking and finance. So what is it that attracted you? And, of course, you're going to have to tell us about 
HALO and that acronym. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm patient. You know, we're having a good conversation. Um, so uh, so I'm originally from Long Island, Westbury. Played sports uh-huh. uh, there at the varsity level. Are you, are you from Long, Long Island? Long Island, Suffolk County. Suffolk County. Okay. Yeah. Um, so uh, I went to Emory undergrad and then worked in banking for uh, three years at uh, Chase Manhattan Bank back in the day. And uh, and then at a gr- uh, group called Donaldson, Lufkin, and Jenrette, uh, two of the guys that I'd worked for went to Harvard Business School. So I asked them to write me a recommendation and... I went up there, and then in 1999, in March, it was as cold as it's ever been. So I was running around the river, and I'm like, I have no idea why I'm living in the Northeast. Like, I'm going to go down. I moved to Florida. This is back in August of 99. I ended up getting a job at a private equity firm that was in Boca Raton. So I lived like two miles away from my grandparents, which was actually <laughs> awesome. Because uh, at a time, you know, you talked about before, you know, uh, you know, when we're talking about lo- losing people that, you know, you, you really cherish those times that, yeah. that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I get into this private equity firm and they owned this private equity firm had a $200 million fund. They're trying to buy middle, me- mid-sized companies. So I get down there as a senior associate and they had owned the blue chemicals uh, that go in the toilets of the airplanes. <laughs> mm-hmm. They owned another company that did aerospace parts. And then right when I got there, they had a letter of intent to buy Gold's Gym International. Mm-hmm being a fitness guy and then looking around the table, there were 10 banking professionals there and me. And I quickly scanned the room and I'm like, there's no way anybody else here has a health club membership. And I (laughs) definitely know that they don't own a tank top, (laughs) which I actually have. (laughs) So I'm like, look, I gotta be on the Gold's Gym deal. So I ended up getting on the Gold's Gym deal and uh, I was in August of 99 and basically haven't left the fitness industry since. So I did uh, private equity, uh, start up a software company. So being an entrepreneur, um, you know, learning about the highs and lows and trying to control that. I actually did acupuncture a couple of times. I went into a meeting and some guy said to me like, bro, you are stressed out. Like you got to go see my guy. Uh, that was back in 2000. Uh, so I started up a software company and then basically I've helped people buy and sell health club chains and trying to attract more capital to mm-hmm. the space. So um, when people say, okay, what do you do? I basically help people fight about money and get money. But at the end of the day, there's probably... 300 health clubs and studios that have been built based on money that I've helped people get. So there's probably, I don't know, a couple million people that have a place to work out. That's kind of how I think about it when I'm Mm -hmm. trying to be holistic about, Mm -hmm. you know, being a banker and an investment, you know, professional. Um, I want to try and get capital to people. And one of our goals is to try and make sure that people that want to work in this industry have the ability to do that and they can give up their job because they're going to get a reasonable uh, paying mm-hmm. jobs. So, uh, that's one of my better, you know, things that I want to make sure happens. Mm-hmm. So if I get capital, then there's money to pay people, you know, at least, uh, you know, 120 to 180 grand a year so they can live in a city, mm-hmm. uh, not, you know, share an apartment yeah. with somebody or live with their parents or right. commute from right. Suffolk mm-hmm. every morning. Oh, thing. I don't any longer. Not yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Calling your, your hometown, uh, uh, Comb County out. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I've basically been in the industry since uh, for, for about 20 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's amazing to see the enthusiasm that's in the sector now, maybe because people finally can say, okay, I, I know what the data says. And I know that you actually checked in and did the workout. Mm-hmm. So these health insurance companies at some point, you know, maybe we do a march up there to like United Healthcare and at mm-hmm. uh, Blue Cross, but there's no reason why what you're doing, what the health clubs are doing, the Swedish Institute, all that's got to be paid for by insurance companies. Mm-hmm. I mean, for the fifth, for the $100 a month that they could allocate towards somebody working out, which they can now track 
Mm-hmm. So you could say, okay, look, if you work out 10 times a month well, or you, you go acupuncture right. massage, mm-hmm. like, of course I'll pay for a hundred bucks. Like, I don't know. I haven't been in the hospital or to, you know, knock on wood. I haven't been to the hospital or doctor. Um, like my, my, my health club and my soul cycle class is my, you know, that's mm-hmm. my clinic. Preventative right. medicine. Yeah. So, so I got, I've, I've had mm-hmm. zero tax on the health insurance mm-hmm. sector and there's no reason why, you know, we can't be part of the preventative care that people have been talking about. Mm-hmm. Like it has to happen. Mm-hmm. It has to happen so now. You started off with this Gold's Gym project, but now you've clearly expanded that into this Halo sector. Can you tell us a little bit yeah, about so what you, Halo is? For sure. You? You, you'll appreciate this, uh, Gaston. I was, um, so for the last 15 years, I've been telling people I'm a health and wellness banker. And then about two years ago, I decided I'm, I get, I get freaky about trying to Google words that I don't know where they came from. So as an example, the word mortgage, mm-hmm. it comes from the French word, uh, death pledge, uh-huh. right? So Mort. Mortgage. <laughs> Mort. Yeah, Mort. Mortgage. Yeah, right? So mortgage is like, oh, it's not a death pledge. So basically, you know, I owe you this until I die and then you can take it from me. Right. So I, I'm looking up words all the time. So I end up looking up the word wellness because I'm like, no one comes to me and says like, oh man, I got this awesome wellness idea. It just like as a beat it just drops like right. the wrong way uh-huh. you know so i end up googling it and there was a guy in 1929 his name was dr halbert dunn mm-hmm. and he worked at the mayo clinic he was a biostatistician and he's looking at the data and like oh shit people are getting sick like i gotta i gotta figure out how we get rid of illnesses so he comes up with the opposite of illness which is wellness uh-huh. so if you're not mm-hmm. sick you're okay so i'm not on this earth for you know for the one bout of, you know yeah. one route i got on this planet to you know, help people be in, be okay. Mm. So we came up with this term HALO, which stands for Health, Active Lifestyle, Outdoors. And we do a podcast, which we had Vince on a couple of weeks ago. So mm-hmm. that was a great convo. Thanks for being on. Um, Thanks for having me. You got it. So we're trying to create the HALO effect. Cool. And basically, yeah. mm-hmm. and I did, last year I did a, a wellness retirement party because I want people to get rid of the word. And then say, hey, I'm part of the HALO effect. And then, you know, it used to be the water cooler where you'd sat, you sat around and talk about like, hey, the Sopranos or this and that. Now people just talk about fitness. Hey, mm-hmm. when I go on this travel, oh, we did this yoga retreat in Costa Rica. I can't remember the last time someone told me oh, I went on this Vegas trip, right? You know, mm-hmm. or I went down to South Beach, you know, and bought bottles. Like nobody does that anymore. Thankfully, mm-hmm. yeah, it's changed that, good. Yeah, mm-hmm. so all these companies that want to try and get to people that are living a healthy lifestyle, whether it's health insurance companies, you know, branded companies on the food and beverage side. Want to basically try and create that ecosystem and have all those people say, "Hey, I'm creating the halo effect," and then we go to these health insurance companies or we go to the lobbyists and say, "Hey, look, you got to pay for all this shit. Like, we are mm-hmm. we are your only way to fix the system." Mm-hmm. And I see these commercials on it drive me crazy of all these like these these guys that are overweight, like sixty year old guys overweight with like those sweater vests on, you know, <laughs> and they're like walking on a straight arrow, uh-huh. and the side effects are like. Depression, you know, yellow fingernails, you know, <laughs> could potentially have a heart attack. I mean, it's crazy shit. I'm like, give mm-hmm. me that guy. Let me put him in the gym for eight weeks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. And then, like, let's keep him off of this shit that they're mm-hmm. like poisoning people with. Mm-hmm. So we got to we got to take on the sugar industry. You know, I, I know how to multiply everything by four because that's like a pint of ice cream. Like I'm obviously eating the whole <laughs> thing, right? So it's like 72 grams of sugar in there. Crazy. Who's this serving size guy? Who makes up the serving size? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Who is that guy? Mm-hmm. Do you know who it is? It's the guy who works for the lobby who sells yeah. the sugar, who says, hey, you know, yeah. you should eat this much because that makes us this much money, money. per pint. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a sad thing. But Gaston, that actually 
Um, Pete mentioned beverage and stuff. So you went down to Costa Rica and you've been bringing coffee back and you've started mixing things together. What's going on? I actually, the, start, uh, actually, it started back in Guatemala. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. Not yeah, Costa no, no, Rica, no, Guatemala. Yeah. I, I go to right. Costa Rica, though. No as well wonder you were surfing. looking at yeah. me like that. Costa yeah. Rica. Wait, no, Guatemala. Yeah. There was one shipment of Costa Rica <laughs> of coffee. Yeah, yeah got to have the coast of great coffee. They great do have coffee, good coffee. But we don't yeah. want to rub that in on you. You're not drinking coffee. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I have one. Um, no, but I was exposed to um, a cacao ceremony, um, which the Mayans and Aztecs used during their ceremony, and it's more about spiritual expansion. And part of it is you're drinking um, cacao, um, which is tastes very much like in its raw form, like coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's for spiritual expansion. Some people say it's hallucinogenic, uh, which mm-hmm. it's not. Um, but I started taking that back home, uh, the cacao beans, because it's great. Beans, um, A, it's got so many health benefits, cacao, uh, high antioxidant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I brought it back from one year. My mom, she loved coffee, mm-hmm. and uh, but she couldn't drink it because it was very acidic and also the caffeine. So I started sharing the cacao with her. We would eat it. She loved it. Um, then she was diagnosed back then uh, she had brain cancer and um, so it was one of the, she'd be in the hospital I'd be coming back from Guatemala she goes do you have any of that cacao and uh, <laughs> she'd be uh, uh, in the unit giving out cacao my son brought back this stuff and so um, just before she passed we were thinking of how we can make this into something that you can drink so we started mm-hmm. brewing it um, I just have uh, some special recipes and uh, after she passed, um, the idea of keeping her memory alive is where it's really inspired, but it's also a healthy alternative to coffee. Mm-hmm. Not, I'm never going to bash coffee because I love coffee myself, mm-hmm. but there are plenty of people, as I experienced through my mom, that love coffee but couldn't drink it and want to have a healthy alternative to that. Mm-hmm. So um, mm-hmm. Cacao Boy Cold Brew, and uh, we're getting back on the shelf. Cool. And how? So, what does that name come from? How did that come uh, up? Just a play, you know, Cacao mm-hmm. and Cowboy and... Mm-hmm. Uh, there's this great picture of uh, Leon Russell, you know, Leon Russell, mm-hmm, the musician. Mm-hmm. He just passed, I think, last year or the year before. Right, right. Uh, back in his old days, he's just, he looks like a shaman. He's mm-hmm. got this great big top hat. He looks like he's a cowboy that hung up his, uh, his guns. You mm-hmm. know? And I said, that's, that's my uh-huh. guy right there. So, cacao boy, cobra. Hang up your guns, mm-hmm. drink cacao boy, mm-hmm. and uh, it's the new bean in being. So. Oh, okay. That, that, awesome. I like it. Sounds go. good. So, Pete, we talk about art and a lot of people who've gone into fitness and wellness here have an arts background, but it seems that you really approach these companies as sort of an art. Do you have a a method or a technique or how do you start to work with some of the entrepreneurs that come to you to get funding? Yeah, I mean, that's a, uh, that's a great question. It's, it's, uh, it's complicated. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so I'm, I'm, I'm very ADD and I've, I like to have a scorecard and like say, okay, is the size of this market big enough? You know, yes or no. You know, do we like the entrepreneur? Yes or no. You know, is the, uh, did the company have any revenue? So I have like a, a scorecard on like mm-hmm. looking at investments and looking at, at deals. But at the end of the day, you get so either emotionally invested in the entrepreneur that you're mm-hmm. partnered with, um, where it's, it's not as much of a business partnership anymore. Mm-hmm. It's really like, Hey, what do you personally, what can you personally do to drive this business? And, um, and this business basically either has their name on it, mm-hmm. uh, or it, it basically is their creation. Mm-hmm. So to try and say, Hey, let's tweak the logo or let's, you know, add more programming. 
um, let's go and do you know home you know direct to the mm-hmm. home and or and they'll say well we I want to do franchising and I want to you know go digital because I don't want people to have access to my classes mm-hmm. um, so it's like you're doing this p- partnership and you think like okay we're doing this business deal we're really doing like a we're doing like a personal deal mm-hmm. you know and I'm just happy mm-hmm. to be like you know financially partnered with you but you go through highs and lows where you know you might as well be close to you know like engaged to this person this is how mm-hmm. tight some of these things are and it's a roller coaster ride so part of it is is believing that the artist you know mm-hmm. is is the best at their craft right so we invested right. with a woman named andrea rogers who is a, a founder of extend bar so it's bar pilates dance and it came out of her frustration that she was a classical pilates instructor mm-hmm. but also was a disney dancer and basically tried to infuse the two because she was mm-hmm. she was kind of bored and came up with this class turned into a program that she did at a location then turned into a franchise turned into a license and now she's out in beijing right now doing a uh, a grand opening for a studio it's called space cycle out there that uses uh extembar so we believed in the artist so i basically invested in an mm-hmm. artist now i just watched the george michael uh documentary uh-huh. that came out uh-huh. unbelievable when you think about an artist like he had a huge legal uh lawsuit battle with with sony back right. in the day and he basically said mm-hmm. look i'm not going on any of the videos anymore and i'm and i'm producing what i want mm-hmm. and they sued him well, he sued him to get out of his contract as an you know artist and you know financial mm-hmm. company, right? Financial company's like, look, man, I I, get, I was paying you when you were nobody, okay. And now I reap the rewards of like that investment that I made in you because I make a hundred of those, and you know maybe there's only one George right. Michael, that right? Pays off. So he so the the, um, the album and the song Freedom mm-hmm. was basically written mm-hmm. about him getting away from, from Sony, company, yeah. and he moved over to uh, David Geffen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you think about like, oh, how do you invest in an artist? Like they're, I don't know, we're probably, I'll just say it, right? Like we're, we're not logical at times. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not a logical person mm-hmm. at times. Like I'm, I do things emotionally. I do things because my gut like says to me, not what a fucking spreadsheet says to me in Excel mm-hmm. about like, hey, this is what we should do. It's like, no, nah, nah. I either feel that that's right or not. Mm-hmm. So partnering with an artist that has, you know, created their own platform methodology. And then you come in and say, you know, hey, I'll, you know, you want to do this band? You want to do a band? You're like, dude, I'm not, I'm not in a band. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a, I'm an artist. Like, I'm Adriana Grande, if, you know, of, of like fitness, right? Mm-hmm. So, do you really want, so is it going to be a band now? Like, Halo Extend or is it, it's Extend? Mm-hmm. So, I'm kind of deferring to the artist mm-hmm. a lot. And sometimes those decisions are good and sometimes they're not. Mm-hmm. The, the flip side is the artist usually doesn't have to pay for the, mistakes it's usually the record company yep. mm-hmm. that pays for the bad album mm-hmm. you know and pays for you know some of the dis- indiscretions or things they gotta you know pr their way out of so to answer your original question there there is a methodology to say hey this is an interesting company it's in the right space but it really comes down to like do i want to back this artist mm-hmm. and they are artists mm-hmm. and in a big way it's the simon cynic thing of you don't buy what a company does you buy what a company believes yeah. So you're willing to buy all these different things from Apple. And by the way, I'm not an Apple fan. This is not a plug for Apple. But people will buy anything from them, computer, MP3, 